Welcome to episode four of the Bear Tiger Club podcast. Quite an exciting one with um, what with the Open Championship having just finished. And we've got nearly the full squad. We're missing Big Nige, who will be a, a huge loss this week. But we're joined by Josh White. Hi, Hi guys. Good, mate. Good, good. Happy birthday for yesterday, pal. Yeah, cheers, mate. I was, that's going under the radar. Mark Raven, <laughs> I haven't seen, haven't seen you for a couple of weeks, Mark. How have you been? No, great, great to be back. I mean, it's mixed reviews on the last two weeks. Some good, some bad, but yeah, right. good to be back on the show. Decent. And uh, Happy JS birthday NFT. again for yesterday. Thanks, mate. Let's just get that out. We've all done that now, right? And um, <laughs> and uh, JS NFT, how are you, mate? All good, bud. All good. Yeah, thank you. So just a quick apologies to the listeners, just for the sound quality. We're obviously with it all being different venues this week. I'm still up here at St. Andrews. Uh, we've had to do this bit ad hoc and be a new system, but, but we're here to talk about all the good stuff. We'll get on to the exciting part, which is the Open Championship in just a second. Justin, in our week and our lead up to it, Josh and I came up early, spent Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday up here, very close to the Open venue, up at the Fairmont at St Andrews, up at the, um, the Jay Lindeberg event that they had. And uh, we had a couple of special guests. We had Robbie Williams launch his new collection and Victor Hovland stopped by to chip it straight over the green in our... Um, party hosting how was it for you joshua yeah it was good mate wasn't it we uh we had a good drive up it was great for me um you doing all the driving and me just sitting in a passenger seat the whole way which was pretty cool and then uh we got there didn't we and we was uh we was glamping which was uh on on the way up we had we found we found what i think was probably the best service station i've ever or nicest service station i've ever been to yeah i don't think i've ever come out of a service station and we've uh had all the like the curd dried meat all cut for us perfectly oh, yeah. for a little treat and stuff like that. All the fresh cakes and yeah. all that sort of stuff. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was so good. And then yeah, so we, we kinda of got here. It was and then the, the glamping experience was my first glamping experience. How was it for you? Yeah, it was good for me. I had the, I had the single bed and even if I rolled over I, I sort of scraped my nose on the tent. But um it was decent, to be fair. It was a bit cold in the evenings, wasn't it? I was a bit under the under the covers like a fetus, but uh, it was it was all right. It was pretty good. Yeah, it's a little bit of festival vibes, but it was um, it was really cool. I obviously got to hang out with some really cool people, like within the golfing industry, and it really, it was really a hit home of where the golfing industry is right now. Yeah. It's got some, you know, whether it be like lifestyle, fashion, and good golfers, and you know, hobby golfers. It was just it really came through, and then getting to Getting to host um, Robbie Williams was quite an experience. He was, um, yeah, he was a cool guy actually. You know, I think everything that goes around those superstars, it's all the oh, Robbie's coming quick, right? Everyone's got to leave this area. All that nonsense goes on, and when they when he arrives, he, he was just a normal bloke, right? Yeah, 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 exactly that. And it, to be fair, it was um, it was really cool watching you host that evening with them at that party. And like you say, he really was just a genuine guy. Like just sitting there, like talking to him on the on the chipping green and yeah. and stuff like that. It, it was just like talking to to one of your pals. Really, he was uh, it was a really nice guy. And then yeah. you calling me up in the chipping challenge out of everyone that's there. <laughs> I've already like three or four beers deep. Got my sunnies on. Got my hat. My hat back to front or whatever. And then saying like, "Yeah, Josh, you can't. You do it." So I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. Yeah, no problems. Yeah, kind of just setting the scene. We had um, we had 
we had Victor and Robert Williams on the chipping green in front of about 120 people. And to be fair, their chipping was pretty shocking. We know Victor doesn't like uh, shots around the greens too much, so much so that beforehand, I thought he'd probably be a bit nervous doing this. And um, I've been up and hit a couple of chips onto the green we were going to use. So when I chatted to him before going up, because you, you kind of chat to him about what questions you're going to have. And I said to him, right, Victor, by the way, it's downwind, it's rock hard, and, uh, and it's really fast. I've hit a couple of chips. He's got bump it short and it trickles up. Don't give it the big one. And so obviously we were up there chatting and then said to Victor, you know, you know, bigs him up, world-class players, got a good chance at the Open this week. You know, uh, show us what you got around the greens. And lo and behold, just de-greens it straight over the green. Do get it. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus. Did you so did you so start then, we had to, um, then we had to get Robbie Williams, and Robbie Williams actually played a couple of good shots. And then, but it was like this is getting awkward now because everyone's like missing the green, not getting inside twenty feet. So, got to call Josh up. And uh, where did your ball even end up? It was just on the back edge of the green. To be fair, that was absolutely rapid. I landed it just short. I was happy to just get a strike on it. To be honest, I was a bit nervous. Yeah, uh, I got landed bit, it. Bit clunky. Yeah, it was a little, little bit clunky. <laughs> got, got it. Landed it just short of the green, and then it, it sort of rolled up to the back edge and. The, I don't know, maybe 15 feet away or something, but it was seriously quick, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was I think Robbie, Robbie, Robbie Williams did the best shots. He was just sitting these really low sort of chip and runs, pitching it probably three foot in front of him. Like you said, tricking it up there, and he was uh, he hit the closest one. Yeah, he did knife a couple. We was hit a couple of shockers. I did a really good party, so big ups to Jack, Norman, and, uh, and the boys at jail for that. But anyway... Moving on to the big, big event this week, the Open Championship. I'm presuming you guys all watched it wall to wall and had the full rundown. Obviously, I was out in the course, but what was it like, James? What was it like uh, watching it on the telly? Well, I think um, obviously the Thursday, everyone was kind of inevitably sort of seeing that it was a much faster version of St Andrews than we've seen historically. So, you know, with Bryson hitting like a 300 yard six iron in practice on Wednesday was nuts and. And, you know, and there was just a lot of, there's a lot going into it. I think quite early on, the groups that were, I believe, earlier starters on Thursday and afternoon starters on Friday were perceived they had the better side of the draw on the weather. And I think everyone bar DJ actually was on that side of the draw come Sunday afternoon. And and for me, really, Thursday was all about Tiger. It was the long-awaited thing to see how he was going to get on. And it looked like he'd ripped a stinger off the first and... Inevitably, that was his bad luck. I think he's the only person I saw who hit a tee shot down one who ended up in a, in the front of a divot. And those, you probably know better than I do because it gets so burnt out on links courses. You get those really sandy lies that even if you strike it, they can come out so dead. And he had, what, about a 90-yard pitch shot? And it looked like it went 50 yards. So, And I think when they replayed it in slow-mo, he really struck the shot. It just came out of that thing like a, like a puff of powder sort of thing. And... Um, it was unfortunate, wasn't it? I know he shot nine over for two rounds, but it just looked like he lipped out seven or eight times and uh, he just had no luck all week. But it was just, it was an incredible Open Championship. I know why it's your favourite Open. I, I, everything that happened over the weekend with Victor and Rory playing so well Saturday and then that penultimate group on Sunday, 15 under par, it was almost like Phil and Henrik back at it again. You know, those guys just going head to head. And Cam Smith's putting backside yesterday afternoon was just mental. I mean, he must have held 150 feet of putts yesterday. Yeah, I mean, if we just kind of just stay on the first couple of rounds for just for the beginning here. Mark, did you get to see 
any of the first two rounds. Obviously, we've got some exciting news and a little chat to do with Mark about him and Tiger are basically besties now. I've spent a couple of days together at the JP McManus program, which we'll get to on another chat. But did you get to kind of see any of Tiger's first couple of days play? Yeah, yeah, I did. I got to see a bit. Um, I just thought it was a shame, you know, like he was definitely playing better than that, even though his scores at the JP didn't necessarily reflect too much better. But um, I have to say I was absolutely amazed given the amount of walking that he'd done between uh, the JP and the beginning of the Open. I was amazed to see how well he was actually moving throughout Thursday, Friday. So that that was really encouraging, actually if you take his performance side out of things and just look at the physical element, I'd have to say, yeah, that, that that's encouraging for him. I know it's flat, but he'd done a lot, way, way more reps in terms of walking than he'd done prior to the JP and at the JP because he was in a, a buggy the whole time. In terms it was, of his, It was a bit well, weird that he played so much during the week. I found that strange. I, that he went I, to I, Ireland and played with Rory, then he walked around the course. Yeah, for, for me, I was I was really surprised to see, uh, especially the open week where it was covered from Sunday all the way through. Every time I saw him and then covering that, I was just like, wow, I, I, I just didn't see that for him in his preparation at all. But um, that, that for him, I think, had to be the massive uh, pull from the whole week is how well that clearly went. And yeah, as we know, he did, like James said, he, he struggled a bit on the golf course. It was a bit of a shame because that wasn't representative of what I certainly saw in the build-up to the Open Week itself. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I followed him. We were, we were on his group, so I was in the on-course comms for the BBC radio. And so the second day, every night you get like a call sheet of those four different pairings, and then you see which pairings you're getting. You're gonna, always going to get good ones, but obviously you wanted to get Tiger, and we got Tiger on the second round. And... Um, he actually played quite nicely. In the first round, I was in the group ahead of him. Um, so I got to so the group behind. So you kind of walk up ahead of your group, which meant we were basically side by side with Tiger the whole way. And um, you know what? I think that was about as cold as I've ever seen him with a putter. He just, he played much better than he scored. Obviously got off that terrible start, like James said. You know, couldn't have gone any worse, really. Got four over really, really quickly. But... His game was actually quite good uh, once he got going. He just, I've never seen Tiger miss kind of so many parts, which can happen. But it was, um, did you guys, Josh, did you get to see him walk up 18 on the TV? And how did that come across? Did you? Yeah, yeah. Like, like you said, we was um, sort of running down the, down the side, just trying to get a little bit further up. And I managed to get right in line with the bridge to see him go over, just in case he did stop. And as with no one really knew if it was going to be his, last hurrah or anything like that but like we said we don't think he can actually go out with himself having missing the cut or put that performance in so um i was quite lucky enough anyway to be right online and it was actually quite emotional there's things with tiger in iconic moments so the only times in my life i think i actually cry <laughs> but he um it was just pretty cool and then seeing rory on the other side of the fairway going down the first just turning around taking it all in stopping and uh, and watching him was uh, that was really cool. And like you said, I see you put you put a post out yourself on the on your uh, socials with like the uh, passing over the changing of the guard with Rory and Tiger, and that would have been a perfect fit, I think, if that would have happened if he would have won. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, being being there for a moment on the 18 was just like it was amazing, really. Like we were trying to uh, cover it in the broadcast, and 
and you couldn't help with you know I wasn't even trying to build it up it was like a real moment of like it was a magical moment of watching Tiger go across the bridge to which interestingly enough he didn't stop and did a wave on the bridge which may be uh, somewhat telling he just he did proceed to just wander over the uh, the bridge and without stopping away to everybody whereas normally the ceremonial this is my last time is like a stop and wave so that was quite interesting but then after that you know just kind of going up there and the scene and the standing ovation that you got um you know it was real hairs on the back of the neck standing yeah. up kind of stuff and and then having to you know kind of feel the listeners in on that and when they cut to you you like you, know, you almost feel your voice breaking and it wasn't like a put on, like trying to build up a story. It was just a big moment. And as you say, like the players teeing off on the other side, like Hovland and Lowry and McElroy walking backwards down the fairway, watching him putt. Um, it was just like an amazing moment. And yeah, and you know, obviously the RNA did a really good job of timing it for Tiger to finish, you putting out and then have Rory teeing off at the same time. It was just. You know, that, obviously that didn't happen by accident. It was just an amazing. Yeah, do you, I didn't think moment. about that. Do you actually think it was intentional? Yeah, uh, 100%. Did that? It was 100%. And, and the whole thing of Tiger like kind of hobbling up 18 and then Rory like bounding down 18. It was like a real moment, which which probably brings us into the piece we should start chatting about, which was, you know, um, I thought Rory was going to do it, but what a champion we've had in Cam Smith. A bit, you know, we've got a long way into this pub, not even mentioned his name yet. Cameron Smith, that was that was some that was some win on that back nine. James, you touched on it a bit earlier. Have you seen a better back nine than that? The major um, championship. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we all know that he's a good putter. I think a lot of people talk about Cantlay as the best putter on tour, but I think this guy rivals him properly. I mean, under the under the gun, he looks electric from 15 to 20 feet, and those four in a row. He was just holding 18, 20 footers, but he's like walking them in, you know, and they just, as soon as they came off the blade, they just looked so good. I mean, not taking anything away from the fact he swung it great, because I think he put the ball in the right. Oh, you'll know with St. Andrews there, the greens are like, some of them are like 100 yards long and wide, right? Because there's so many double greens there. But he knew exactly where to put the ball on the, on the hole to give him the least amount of break and the flattest putt as well. I think his approach play was great, but... Uh, it was just a, a, it was a proper, proper exhibition of golf, you know, and he's had two 64s in the week. To think that he shot one over round three and still shoot 20 under par for four rounds is, is quite surreal. So a really, really incredible champion, probably quite fitting. Australians naturally, uh, historically quite good at Lynx golf as well from the way they play on burnt courses and also not to take anything away from the other Cameron who's not won on tour before and to probably shoot seven under on a on a major Sunday and be in the penultimate group and think he's not one is it's quite it's quite mental. I don't know what this guy I think he needs to do to win, but Yeah, the Cameron's had a real good battle, didn't they, those two days. And obviously with Smith coming out coming out on top, um we followed him on that um it was my group on the Saturday and where you said there he shot a seventy three which completely wasn't telling of how he played. Like, weird enough, he just had, he was just cold with a putter. I think he had 36 putts on the on the Saturday. He just, he was stone cold. And he wasn't hitting bad putts, he just weren't going in. And and also on top of that, every time he hit, he hit good shots. He was himself in like some, some of the worst spots, like real hard areas around the greens on the misses. And he just played some majestic short game shots, which he just makes some shots around the green. Yeah. Which is so hard. He just like, there's no indecision. He just walks up and the wedge comes out or the 9-9 comes out or the putter comes out. There's no indecision. The first comeback comes out. There's a couple of practice swings. He's seen it and he executes it. 
he executed it so well and and obviously that all kind of culminated when he got to 17. 17 was an interesting one we played a great drive he's won ahead and he's pulled his second shot left really really lucky not to go in the, in the road hole bunker we sat on 17 all morning yesterday and that thing was just sucking balls in and and not what i think we had we watched seven people go in that bunker and not one person got up and down and there was probably two more two more doubles Rob Dinwiddie hit a lovely shot out to about three, four feet. I see here the best shot. I missed it annoyingly. Uh, one of our pals who will get on at some point to have him chat about it. But yeah, um, and Cam Smith, he just got lucky not to go in the bunker. Putted up around the bunker again. Took no time, but made that look really easy. But if you underhit that, that thing rolls back into the bunker, and then you lost the open. And then obviously then just can that ten foot like ice. I mean, that was nuts. When, when he stepped up to that 10-footer, I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, he, he's literally run that part alongside the edge of 17th. For those that didn't see it, it was about four inches away from the lip. That's how kind of close it was. And it's obviously cambered around. And then he, he trusts his stroke so much that he's got a 10-footer. Like you said, it was like Iceman. He just trotted up to it, tucked it in, and just got on the tee and rips it onto the green as well, which, yeah, it, it, it was just proper, proper remarkable. It was good, and, wasn't it? Really good. Hey Mark, yeah. do you um what what do you know of? Have you seen much of Cam Smith's game? I just really, as he's been climbing in um, in performance, I've seen more and more of him. But I tell you, that's a brand of golfer I would I could watch all day, every day. Like we've spoken in previous podcasts about pace of play and and the way the game of golf is going, depending on what tour, blah blah blah. But this this kid is just great to watch. I mean, he is just like you've been saying, just gets up to the ball, makes a decision, bang. And every single shot appears to be like his finished position. It's just, it's completely committed. There's no faffing about, I, I just, I have to say, I think he's, he's a great player and someone that I would, I would take the time to watch. Or if it's on TV, I, I wouldn't mind watching at all. And um, also just for James, James must absolutely love his putter. His putter is filth by like all stealth Cameron like it's just absolutely mega his whole bag stealth he's uh, up to driver he's stealth yeah. his entire bag yeah um, Tiger don't worry it's just Tiger yeah, just checking in to, yeah, yeah. Tiger's caught texting just text him back so you're busy <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his. Like, obviously, I was pulling for Rory. I was gutted it didn't work out for him. But you don't feel so bad when someone like Cameron Smith, who's a great player, just goes out and just bang, does it. Because like, I just think that, like, like, as you said there, like, his, his brand of golf is, is so good. But I think his brand in general, because there, there was a feeling up here of disappointment yesterday. Not, but it wasn't, but it didn't feel quite Stuart Sink. Tom Watson open uh, where, you know, he became like the real villain because obviously Cam Smith is it's a completely different dynamic with, with Cam Smith because he's younger and he's got more about it. But I think his, his whole brand of like, like the mullet, the moustache, just like cutting about super chill, cool dude, and then does that in his golf as well. But I thought, I thought this last round was like a real coming of age in, in all that. It was, it was the first time we've seen a bit more of a serious side as in like, he just didn't make that stupid move. He's made stupid moves in the past. Like when he, when he won the players, he took out, he, he did a chip out, a hook chip out to a right to left slope, which was always going to end up in the water, and then had the brilliance to get up and down to get him out to still win the tournament. But it was just a, it's like a ridiculous situation. And he did it earlier on in the year, which when he chip, did a chip out out of bounds. And then at the Masters, just made birdie on 11 in the last round, and then goes at the pin on 12. And we're like, 
everybody knows that you don't, no one goes for the pin at 12. But he's had, he'd never had that foot off the pedal stage. And then in the third round here on 13, he hit it. I don't know if you guys saw it. Did, didn't you guys see the 13th hole? He made a complete mess of it. He basically he hit it left. He was outside the bunker, but standing in the bunker. The ball was knee height, and there's bushes and kind of scrappy long grass, short and left of the hole. Had about 170 yards, and it's just just chip it sideways, knock it on, have a putt for part mate bogey. And he yeah, gets he in there, and he gets six iron out, and he's right down to the shaft, and he kind of fats it into the heather, into the crap. Then, then he can't advance it down to the green. And it was just like, I was commentating on it. And I was just like, you don't want to cane players. But at this point, I was just like, on air, it's like, what is he doing? This is just a terrible, terrible decision. It's stupid. Yeah. And he ended up getting away with double bogey. And you're like, why is he doing that? But then yesterday, we just saw a slightly different Cam Smith where he just got to 16 and he just got the iron out and he just knew, I'm going to put this in the fairway. I'm not taking it down the out of bounds, down the right-hand side. I'm going to take my medicine and play it that way. And I thought that was, it was a bit of a coming age yesterday. It was almost as if, like, finally, or maybe his caddy just went to him, mate, don't fuck this up. Yeah, this is, this is, you're going to listen to me this time. Because <laughs> it's so easy not to listen to a caddy when you're in that situation and you're coming down a stretch, isn't it? When you feel like you've done all the work and you've got to remember they're the ones that have helped you get there in a way and, and to listen. But, but uh, it's felt like this has been a long time in the making, Josh, as well, didn't you think? I mean, you and I sat on, you know, on the range at the Masters. I know you love watching people prep on the Thursday, and he was he was amongst the most impressive on the range by quite some distance. Um, and he, he was. His... I touched on that. I touched on that earlier in the week with Zane. I said we was actually talking about. It. I was like, it's un- unbelievable. Like some of these guys, like, they say they're not good hitters, but they they have to be to, to a certain standard to be at that level like and he was so precise and he just didn't miss the middle of the face and people think he doesn't hit it a long way but links golf was perfect for him because he gets so much groundwork doesn't he like he gets so much run that he hits yeah. this sort of like knuckleball and it just goes and goes so he ends up being one one i would say would you say one of the longest i don't know it wouldn't be one of the longest but he's definitely not one of the shortest he was hitting greens yesterday when guys like Rory weren't. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. there he goes. He's, he's got the ball fight for it. And then with his pace putting, like we said, we touched on the last pod, didn't we? Our favourites and picks and stuff like that. And we was, I was talking about the best pace putter. And like even that part he hit on the last and 17, his pace was just out of, out of this world. It's so much easier to threaten the hole when your pace is bang on. And he, he, was, he was a disgrace for that thing. Literally. Yeah. And it moves to number two in the world now. I mean, he's only within one and a half points of Scheffler. I mean, I actually think that Masters, I mean, he started with double at the Masters, didn't he? He shot seven under first round. He went nine under the next 17 holes. He can, he can go really deep, Zane, can't he? Obviously, two eight unders this week as well. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. I mean, that was, that was it really, to come out and shoot eight under twice. Because really, I mean, I mean, Tiger kind of said earlier in the week, didn't he? So whoever gets 19 wins it, as is. It shows you if Tiger says that, as is him getting to 20, just shows you how good that is and shows how good those guys are right yeah, behind him, which is, which is mad, really. You get to 20 under par. But I mean, but that is a little bit flattering at St Andrews because, because of the wind direction. Par is not really the thing, it's more the amount of shots because we all know, depending on the wind direction, different holes are drivable. So, and therefore, and, and you can't, that's why you can't change it because you get one, one wind direction. You can you can drive ten really easily. You can drive. They were getting on seven. 
amazingly. But then when it's the other way around, you know, you've got something different prospect. You're able to drive nine easily. You get uh, 14 to drive in a wedge, 16 to drive in a chip. You know, there's other holes which become, uh, 12 becomes really drivable. So I think scores of parts at Andrews are a little bit flattering. Essentially, it's probably more like a par 70. But depending on the wind, you can't say which, which hole should be a par four, what should be a par five or par three. Um, from day to day, you can't, you can't switch it around. But, but even so, um, it's an interesting course also because you can smash it miles down those holes but still have no shot. It's still hard work. You know, it's still <laughs> quite stressful, which, which, which was really great to see close up. It's the imagination that everyone goes, oh, it goes in one dimension and so forth. But you should have seen quality of some of the shots they played like following DJ and Fleetwood essentially ended up out of out of the mix. Both finished, I think, top six. A really good week for Fleetwood, which was which was nice to see because on the Tuesday night we had this caddy Finno come to the um, JL party for a, a few drinks and he was waxing lyrical about how good Tommy was playing. And then to see him finish top five, that was pretty cool. What a yeah. nice guy he is, by the way. And he said he's going to come on the pod for us. He did. Oh, pretty cool. But how about um, that story said that he said about the JP McManus Pro Am? And he's, Tommy said to him, are you going to, uh, are you coming? Are you going to caddy for me? And he said, me coming to help, like mm. caddy for you there, is that going to help you win the Open? And he was like, no. So he went to the Open early and walked the course the whole week to uh, get a bit of pre- a bit of extra prep in and um, obviously paid off as well. He's a really yeah, impressive I mean, guy, isn't he? What, um, what a classy guy, yeah. yeah. He just, he's, it, just, just that, just have that foresight. He could have gone, oh, I'll come over to J.P. McManus for the jolly up, see if I can nick a little goodie bag. Give a bright watch, all that sort of stuff. But he's he's committed to the cause. And I mean, we stood with him, and everyone's socialising. And all, we, all he's actually doing is talking about Tommy and his golf. And you yeah. just think the amount of shots he's been seeing that guy hit over the years. And he's, he's just got a guy on his side there. Even even following his group yesterday, Tommy played lovely. Hit a lot of good putts, just missing. He could have gone really deep yesterday. Yeah, and if, a every, time, every, time it, every time it missed, Finno, you can see, look at Finno, and he's just like, he's more gutted than Tommy that didn't drop in. You know, that intensity, I just thought, what a guy to have on your bag. Yeah. yeah that was so uh, said, pretty sick. Could I, can I, do you mind if I start like a little debate? Because you know I'm a man for a stat, and I just want to... I've been looking at this ever since the end of yesterday. I didn't see I'm... any left-handers, mate. Sorry. Um, you're, still, you're still the full best left-hander, I know. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going down the table as well. Cheers. I'm, I'm still a little bit on the fence as to whether or not I thought Cam Smith won it yesterday or whether Rory lost it. And I just wanted to know what the guys thought because, you know, Rory, I can't compute a one-putt that he had yesterday throughout his round. I think there was a, the two birdies that he made, he, he two-putted five and i'm not sure if he's on the fringe or if he was on the green or not but uh, he two, yeah two he hit every green in the every every yeah. green two two putt birdies uh, 36 he, putts. 15 of the top 20 players shot four under or better yesterday um 17 shot three under or better you know only him victor and one other uh, siwoo kim i believe it was and it was just like you know obviously he's had a phenomenal week shot 18 under par but is there a slight feeling yesterday that he didn't do enough, even from uh, you know having a four-shot lead or tied for the lead with Victor? Well, the general consensus, there was a couple of things, really. I think, actually, his driving was just a joke all week. I saw him one of the rounds. I chatted to Matt Southgate, who followed him for much of his first two rounds. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but when Rory holds that bunker shot, there's a piece of commentary by Matt Southgate going absolutely mental down the airwaves, which is worth finding on Twitter. 
um, it's absolutely fantastic piece. And he said he'd, he'd, he'd hit one slightly loose drive in the first two days. I watched him, he didn't. And then I, and I chatted to Graham Storm yesterday, and Graham Storm said he just, he just hit the driver unbelievable. His approach play wasn't amazing yesterday. Didn't hit it close enough. You can lean on his putting, but was he close enough? Probably not. Then chatting to Ian Carter, who's like the BBC golf correspondent, who's who followed him shot for shot yesterday. And I thought this would be the case. And he kind of confirmed it. He said, the feeling, feeling was, if I beat Victor, who I'm playing alongside, I'm going to win this. Because there was a gap between them and the Camerons. And he didn't look, he didn't look at any leaderboards for the front nine. Obviously, he got off to a great start, but he was getting ahead of Victor. Probably would have heard a few cheers up ahead. And then didn't look at the leaderboard on uh, 13. There's no leaderboard on 14, to which he made par. And then on 15, he took a long look at the leaderboard. And Ian Carter said it. You could see on his face, it was a real, like, oh, shit, I've been caught by somewhere else. And I just think, I, th I think that there was a little bit of Victor playing poorly, or scoring poorly, like, didn't do him any favours because he didn't have to get going. And let's face it, he would have birded the last. Yeah. He did not have to make eagle. He was on the front, you know. I, you know, Rory came third. I'm not buying into that. Like, he just he didn't he didn't win it. He didn't go out and, and didn't win it. But I think he would have he would have shot 69 in the last round. So for me, I don't think he lost it. I think if someone shoots eight under yeah. in the last round of the Open Championship, they've come and they've won it basically. Like Rory would have got to 19 under had he had had he had to on the last there really. I mean, he was going for the chip, and, and that happened. Cam Young was slightly out of contention, wasn't he? Amazing two on the last hole to to, to get to 19 under. But Roy, did, he didn't lose it for me. He, I think Cam Smith just shot eight under par. And to be fair, it doesn't. it's not always have to be on the last day. It's four rounds. And you've got to think how he would have had sh shots and hole putts to be in that position from the first three rounds. It just happens on the last round that he was in a slightly different situation. And he's... Still, like we said, like I'm, I totally agree with you, Zed. He would have shot three under, even though he didn't, whatever else. So to go out with that, that many shots leading, actually to still shoot that score, it's still seriously good, isn't it? Like, and and I think that, like Zane was saying, how it worked with Rory and uh, Victor, I think it works the other way as well. <clears throat> I think Cam Smith, once he birdies maybe 10, he birdies 10 and 11, he's, lo he's looking at the board. He knows that they're not Rory's not making a move, that he's probably just settled, like you were saying, keeping his eyes on Hovland. And he's just gone, no, I'm go I'm going for it. And and he took it. Like he, he Cameron Smith one hundred percent has won that, but he's also been clever in the fact that he's just kept his foot down. He's like he's kept one eye over his back and he's just said, Well, look, is he coming? Is he coming? Like I'm gonna push, I'm gonna push, I'm gonna push. And as you say, Rory saw it too late, but Cam Smith knew exactly what he was doing when he pushed around 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Like, that that was absolutely money. Like, he's gone out, he's won that. And, yeah, Rory, for me, like, he didn't lose it. It just didn't work out. Yeah, this is so I, I different think... to the narrative of what of Rory is having losing events over the last couple of years. Like, he's, he has lost events. He's messed up coming in. He didn't mess up coming in. He didn't make any mistakes yesterday. Didn't, the thing didn't go his way for whatever reason, but he didn't. He didn't make uh, the mistake. Didn't drop shots on the way in, and, it, and he's been been under it. This doesn't fill into the whole Rory in the past. You know, he's kind of backdoor top five, like he's been there all week on this one and carried it. And he did look different. I mean, it will hurt, won't it? But 
it did look like a very different Rory this week to what we've seen over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, James got something to say. Well, I'm, I'm a little bit on the I'm a little bit on the fence. I, I thought Cam Smith's I thought Cam Smith's display puts Rory in the predicament, you know. And I appreciate, you know, even even if you take Cam Smith out of it and Cameron Young goes and has that round of golf, Rory has to make birdie up the last to to, to make a playoff. But I still believe he should have played well enough to make a playoff at 20 under. I know it's I know it's difficult to say because it's a record-breaking score, but this, the the conditions around St Andrews this week were so playable for deep numbers. You know, if I was assessing that, you'd have seen an eight under from Sam Burns before Rory even got changed out of his gym wear. Um, so we known that there would have been low ones out there today. That was a top 20 ranked player in the world stacked leaderboard come Sunday afternoon. So you knew there were class acts around you in all the groups. There were in the last four or five groups, there were proper, proper, proper players who could go and put big numbers up. And to sort of say I didn't look at a leaderboard until 15, knowing that Victor was one over, you'd know the standard scratch around that course was three, four under par that week. So uh, I just think there's an element, an element of naivety there. To Paul McGinley was a little bit off with Rory, I found in his interview when he was talking Scott, to... He's um, always off of him. I know he is, yeah. But he, I, I wrote his quote down um, because it, I found it was probably actually a little bit... I thought it was probably about insincere, but he said, Rory's not won a major for eight years. But in the story of Cam Smith, it's not just the putting or the driving or the iron play. He actually has the real competitive spirit. I thought that was probably harsh. Yeah, but to, to, just to listen to you guys chat about it and say, you know, he was probably just looking at Victor and didn't look at the leaderboards when they are ginormous. Yeah, I, I think he will feel well, he like... Did, he did, he looked at the leaderboard on 15. Yeah, but that's a lot. So yeah, he, 16, he would have had, 16 had, to 17 uh, are the two hardest holes, these, of course. These, yeah, which is exactly what we need to know, right? You're not going to make too much difference. You're going about your business until then. Then you check out what you need to do. Mm. I mean, funnily enough, uh, to, to, to see that he was fighting until the very end when we were talking about his approach play, the approach shot he hit on 17 was, the, I thought, was probably the best shot he hit a week. That was a phenomenal shot. Uh, I, I was literally, have... I was down by the road, road on that one. It was like the atmosphere was an absolute joke. Like there's a massive grandstand behind to the right. Now all eyes are on there. As he comes around the corner, John Rama said earlier in the week, he was saying, like, saying how, how ridiculous it was that there was 86 people from the media following Tiger's group, which he was playing behind, which we haven't even chatted about the slow play in the first round, which was freaking insane, by the way. But being out, waiting on by the 17th green, watching the whole procession come around and Roy come around the corner, and he just hit an unbelievable tee shot off of there. Chatting to Graham Storm, he just said he hit this amazing high fade off the tee, which we know is not Rory's shot. Under the pressure, because if he, if he wangs it out of bounds, it's almost over. Pure shot down there. And then that thing was on a downslope. And as you said, James, he just hit such a good shot in there. Uh, you know, we didn't see many make or birdie putts in that hole. But I would have loved, that would have been one of the all-time moments if he'd hold that putt down that green, he set himself up for it and he just, it didn't look like he hit a bad putt. It just slipped by the left edge, right? He literally just ran it over the edge. It was it was probably the best putt he hit all day that didn't drop. I mean, I was sat there with my old man and he's like a mid-handicapper. He's like, oh, I don't know why he's not just hit a little draw into this pin. I'm like, that is physically, I think on this golf course, the closest you could have got the ball to the hole. I mean, that is yeah. literally pinpoint precision. Off a down slope, just like, what, ping a draw around the bunker, you old, you old goat, what are you on about? But yeah, it was just a phenomenal shot, um, and yeah, he left himself. I think it was 16 feet or something on the ca on the camera. And he hit a great putt. I mean, he played that hole as perfectly as he could have without getting a birdie. But 
Yeah, it was just a shame. I was desperate for Rory to win. It would have been a, an absolute Cinderella story, wouldn't it? You know, with the passing of the guard and everything. So it's probably a little bit of, uh, I wish he would have won. But um, I hope it doesn't dampen him. And he takes the fact he's had three top fives in four majors this season. And, you know, and goes on and goes one further next year. His game looks so good. Yeah, it was it was... It was heart. It was heartbreaking to, uh, to watch it. To be honest with you, but but yeah, but I said like kind of big props to to Cam Smith really. I mean, to like, twenty under, okay, under the gun, under the pump. He's gone out and taken that. So Rory still had to shoot. I mean, what's that? So Rory still had to shoot sixty-seven to go and win that. So it's not as if he's he's not completely thrown it away um, for me. And he's he's not really put not really put a foot wrong. But yeah, as you said, he didn't make a putt. When you win, you do chip in or you make a part or something. I do yeah. see the fact that he didn't make a part in the last round, which he needed. I think he missed a part on, on, on three from about six feet. And that was like... I've, that was the one, yeah. in. And you go, right, this is mine now. When he misses that, that's, then it's always it's like, this is game on now. It's just momentum, isn't it? Like Then momentum parts you have in a round of golf. If he probably makes that one, he makes three, three or four more down the line and he's got his hands in the air. But... As soon as you miss a couple of them, then you just think, oh, is it one of them days? And then you miss another one. Is it one of them days? And then you get near the end, it's one of them days, you know? Mm. But the other way around, it, you, like you say, that one goes in, he's, he's flying. Well, I feel um, like he's a massive momentum player as well, isn't he? That's why he has these seriously deep rounds in his last rounds. He just go out here, birdie one of the first two holes, and then he's just off. Gets on he's, on the, yeah. he's on the birdies round. Zed, to ask you a question, because when coaching, um, you always say you'll score the best when you get as close to the hole as possible. Like, you, you know, you're a strong believer in not laying back to a yardage. Well, you always taught me that. Why does everyone lay it back so far of the burn on one and no one? Because you can get it about 320 down there, can't you? And just have a 25 yard chip. But everyone sort of lays it back to like 120 to 140 yards. To be fair, that. It gets tired. Yeah. The, the burn cuts in the right and the left. So, so the further you go down, if you hit it less than two sixty three, you can't hit it out of bounds. So we saw we saw Ian Poulter nearly hit it yeah. out of bounds on the left uh, on day one after apparently being booed. Uh, but basically, if you hit it less than two sixty three, you cannot hit it. Any, you're always going to have a shot in. And then once you go past that, the burn doesn't sit straight at you. So it kind of meanders in at an angle. So then you're into the realm of like you could hit a good shot. And it's really dry, and you run ten yards too far, and you just on a five-yard further right line, you're fine. But on that line, you end up in the water, basically. Yeah. So yeah, you could right. hit drive there by the green, but it's it's purely for that, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah, but I, I'm playing later, so I might just see if I can just neck out drive, drive down there. Good yeah, just, do, just do that. Like, just drop something, there, Zed. Just drop something. Oh, I could, drop honestly, something. guys, if I'm really really honest, I could be dropping all the way through this from what I've seen this week. But I'm trying to uh, <laughs> not, not be too overbearing with it all. Nah, mate. Keep it coming. That's what we love to hear, mate. That's what yeah, we love to hear. Yeah, just it was just some uh, brilliant moments. But and and then but then obviously on the back of all of this, there's been a few rumours kind of flying around, um, which as much as I don't want to talk about the Live Golf Series because it's about the 150th Open Championship that we just have, you can't not. There are a couple of instances that happened yesterday, which I thought were really ill-timed. Sergio pulled one out of the bag, saying that he was quitting the European Tour in the middle of a final round at the Open. That just, just doesn't seem cool, does it, to do that? It's a bit not not sure. You know, it's a, and it's a shame that some of the highest 
highest ever point score in the Ryder Cup. They decided to quit the European Tour, which is a huge disappointment. Um, and then the next one uh, later being announced of Henry Stenson being stripped of the captaincy, of the Ryder Cup captaincy, which obviously, and that had been the chat earlier in the week that he was possibly going to the Live Tour, that kind of cements that. It's quite a disappointing dark day for, for the DP World Tour. Has anyone yeah. got any comments on that? Do, do you know what surprises me with, with all this, the, the live chat and you know, I don't disagree with it. Like you've heard me before say, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. It's the timing of like when people say stuff and the things they say at certain times, it's just no need for it. It just seems so sort of childish, you know, there's it, just a time and a place and a way to say things for everyone to sort of get on and, I just don't understand why people are coming out like Sergio. His, his European tour has done so much for him. You know, he's probably an honorary member, a lifetime member of the European tour. I don't, I don't know, but um, yeah, exactly. But like, what, there's no need to come out and do that. It's just disrespectful, I think. No, so apparently there, there was there was a there was a fallout in between the players a few weeks ago. That's quite open. All right. You're probably best yes. placed for this, Zane, but. Are the media putting uh, any of these players in a difficult position in terms of they've heard something, they've gone to them and said, look, you know, we need you to either give us something or we're going to run with this. Like, is there anything, is there anything like that going on or is it just, can we put it purely and solely on the players' front door and saying, look, this is down to you and poor timing? Well, I think the players know, they, they know that they can say nothing. So nothing to go with, and then people can speculate. Uh, there have been grilled the players this week. There was a couple of pieces about uh, Ian Poulter earlier in the week going to the media centre because on the first day, it all came across the media that Ian Poulter's booed on the first tee at St Andrews, and then he nearly hit it out of bounds. And then when he chat, when he got asked about it in the press centre, he was like, "Don't know what you're talking about? Didn't hear it." As it turns out, from chatting to someone else in the media, there they were like, "One guy, one person booed when his name was called." So you think? All these thousands of people here. One guy boos, and it's made out as if he's been booed off the tee, which it wasn't really the case. It was just one, probably somebody's had too many too many beers at eight o'clock in the morning, and it, which <laughs> like you know is is completely unnecessary. So that, that's kind of non event. We were here all week. The live players didn't get any didn't get anything that they wouldn't normally get. They got they got cheered, and there was warmth. It was one weird. It was a bit strange seeing Phil Mickelson go up the last. No one really cared. Um, which I think in the past that would have been very different being an open champion. But essentially, no one gave them a hard time. But in the press centre, they have been, they've been pushed. They've been pushed and like, you know, I think one of the comments to, I think it was Ian Paul, would said, uh, do you think old Tom Morris would turn in his grave if he saw what's going on in the goal side? And it's just like, what's that got it's to do with it? It's not fair, is it? It's, like, it's and then it got asked again. And, and, and it seems it's just a push. What it is, it's a push to get him mm -hmm. to snap and come out of something. He doesn't care about what he thinks about Old Tom Morris. He just wants him to snap, basically, and keep pushing him. But he did uh, bat it off, uh, really. But, yeah, it does seem a little bit... They're trying to get something out of the players, which is maybe maybe not there. And then on top of that, there's loads of rumours flying around about who's going next. Like the, the very Another very worrying rumour is that Cam Smith may go to the Liverpool. I mean, that would be, that'd be horrible if uh, I've just won the Open Championship. It's just been the chat, so it's, 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 that is pure speculation at the yeah. moment. But it's, but there's a lot of people here talking about it, yeah. which would be, I mean, you know, it'd be bad. That's massive, my, isn't it? 
my 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 take on it actually from like reading all the um like across the socials and looking at all the different um conversations and debates and stuff is i, I still come back to things that we said in previous pods and i just don't really completely understand well actually no my opinion is, is that i don't think live has completely worked out what it is they're trying to achieve with the tour just yet because you've got these slightly more with live um, yeah because i think they're just trying these, to buy the tour they're trying to buy yeah. golf but you've got this you've got this group of very well accredited you know um golfers who've got a, a you know history in the game of, of multiple wins and major wins and things like that like the sergios and but you know Colter's had multiple tour wins and you know Ryder cup points and all of those guys dj you know and those guys when dj comes out and says yeah i'm, I'm cool with an eight tournament season like i want to play less golf i think that's what it's all about then you look at paul casey who comes out and speaks to barstool's golf and he's like i'm in a few of the whatsapp groups you know i don't really get involved but the younger guys are worried because they're not sure where they're going to get their world ranking points from about how they're going to get into the majors so they're probably going to go over to the asian tour and they're trying to get people in in whatsapp groups to say let's go and play in these events so we can get enough world ranking points over there so we can sustain our world ranking um, in order to be able to play in the other events. Now, that's a younger player who's actually not getting into the tour to play eight tournaments a season, right? That's someone who wants the royalties of the live tour and is happy to pay, uh, or play, sorry, a nearer fuller schedule so they get the benefits of all the world ranking points as well so they can play the majors and the other big events. Obviously, we lost the WGCs now. So... I don't, you know, I don't think everyone's doing it for the same reason. They're not all moving towards a tour with the same sort of methodology or alignment that other people are doing it. So you've got these complete breaks all over the place. It just feels like a proper mess now. And all the media attention around it's just doing nothing for the game of golf for us all trying to do what we want to do, which is get more people to play the game. It's just, uh, it's just a big buffet of mess now, you know. And the last couple of weeks have not have actually discarded golf as a, as a sport more so now than any one of the three tours you know and I, I just think that's a real shame no one really knows what's going on or what they're doing or you know and, and the, the allure of kind of quick financial opportunities is now being misplaced with what it's actually doing to golf in a whole and um um, in the week of the 150th open which just should have been such a romantic moment for the sport uh, i just think it's a real shame to be honest, until the Sergio thing yesterday, it was all going quite well. It was very much about the 150th Open, and it was bombing really nice in, and somehow it just kind of reared its head kind of a little bit at the wrong time. And then yeah, I would agree with Roy that. Roy didn't win, which was really annoying. We were really done with him yeah. getting up and doing yeah, his speech, yeah, giving, this... giving it to Greg Norman again, couldn't we, like did a few weeks ago. <laughs> but there was this whole thing on Saturday about, like, you know, if you're pro lib or you're anti PGA Tour, wear green. You know, that was a whole thing that went out. Was, was there any truth behind that? There were a lot of people wearing green polo shirts and stuff like that. You know, is there anything behind that? People are looking out for people that are wearing green that aren't signed up to live. Yeah, DJ, you know? DJ and Westwood were, wear, were wearing the same. DJ Westwood, Neiman, um, someone else all wearing this sim really similar it was the same kind of dark green it wasn't just green it was a bit it was a bit odd yeah Patrick Reed was wearing bombing around the live golf hat he literally does not care does he no just a side note that Adidas dark green that they wore this week was absolutely pure 
as a, as a, <laughs> as a colourway and a styling, that, that DJ, was on the money. DJ, DJ, DJ did look pretty slick, didn't he? Mark, yeah. I think you're a, man, you're a man close to my heart about Pantones. I think we call that a British racing green as well. well it's it's got to be close. Yeah, it's got to be close. But yeah, they, 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 they did look mega. And to be fair, of all the play I saw this week, and to be fair, I didn't see too much because I was still trying to get over the best party in the in town with JL. <laughs> but um, DJ's, I saw him hit a free wood, and the noise of it was just incredible. Like honestly, it was a disgrace. How, how the noise of it and the speed of the ball going past you was like, it was impressive and he's a big guy isn't he well definitely definitely he's on that obviously guy. i followed, followed him yesterday and he was playing with tommy fleetwood which is quite funny isn't it because tommy's quite diminutive isn't he he's quite small walks yeah. with his little like um like hunched shoulders head down and then you got dj who's the complete opposite like the jock got his massive like kind of pecs big wide pecs shoulders back eye line is always up the whole time which is by the way Keeping your eyeline above uh, uh, level or above is a good way to affect your mood on the golf course. Anyone who wants a little tip, if they have head-offs a lot, James. James, um, <laughs> um, Yeah, so keep your eye up. But he does that. He just bowls around. And I agree with you, like, having fallen last year, then getting to follow him this year. I mean, when the last groups came out, they were like, I was saying, um, you and Kat are going to go follow DJ and um, Fleetwood. And then circle back later for the, for the final hole. It was a bit like, I would have preferred like one of the last, the last two groups, really. But the other side was two great guys to go and follow and get to see DJ close up. And he obviously, he's, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Chat to Claude Harmon uh, halfway through the week. And he just said like, yeah, he's just back hitting it how he should be. And he just literally had it on a piece of string all day yesterday and made nothing. To be honest, he honestly, you know when you see it, you know when like you play, you play around the golf and you shoot like, a couple over and you're trying to explain to your dad later on he just didn't have to your dad's like what why did you make bogey at that par 4 it was only 370 you're like yeah but that's not how it played out it was he could have contended yesterday he was that good he missed like everything he did miss a lot of putts didn't he on the Saturday as well came back to that on the Saturday he did top it off 18 no oh with yeah that, yeah with, he did with the three words he and it just got it. over it just got over the burn didn't it over the little yeah. bridge thing oh what? Well, yeah he yeah. did I saw that it apparently nearly hit the bridge. Yeah, it did, yeah. And it, it, it rolled, rolled, it rolled Which would have been pure out. band. I just nicely went into the bridge and watched it bounce out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a proper story. Don't really need this. He parted it over the green on, third, on 14 on the, third, on the third round. Yeah. And he was kind of in the mix. And again, the chat to Graham Storm, he just, he, said, he just looked like he tapped out then. Three or yeah. four holes, he couldn't, couldn't be bothered. He missed the free footer on 18. the hole before, didn't he? Yeah, tops off 18 got away with birdie but you think is that the hangover of having 150 mil in your bank account but that's i think that's dj's demeanor for a large part of his recent success he's been able to do that for a number of years and walk around like he's um yeah he, but not he, give up did he give up he still shot three under graham's yeah precise but you're talking about in the third round in the third round we did that yeah it said he is i mean stormy's a He's a good player. Stormy's won, he's won the, in South Africa. Beat Rory down the stretch. He uh, won the French Open. Been on tour for years and years. He, he, you know, this isn't just like a, a random golfer who just means to come to an event to have a look. It's someone who knows the ins and outs, what it's been like. And he was like saying, it looked like he just tapped out. He put it over the green 14, he just tapped out. And I just, that's the, that's the bit of live golf, which just kind of sucks in that yeah. it doesn't really matter whether you play well or not. 
does that get into your mind? Which Tiger never had, did he? Tiger would be in full statistics, fifth place, and he'd get up at half four to go and do his workout to prepare for his round. You know, is is that the difference? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially when it's like you say for their middle spots, like whether you're going to come seventh or fifteenth in a live event, that bit of dough, the difference of the dough, is it really going to matter to them? Nah, you're not, you're not trying for it. I don't think it mattered to any of the top 20, though. They were the top, they were like largely the top 20 players in the world. There wasn't anyone in there who's got a bit of a Cinderella bank, bank, bank check this week compared to what they've earned on tour from this time. He was 10 under through three rounds, and Rory and Victor were six, you know, 16. He probably just thought he couldn't catch him. He's, I think some of his interviews are kind of worse than the golf he's played. I think, yeah, he's just he's just scolded, hasn't he? Off 18, got away a bit, stepped up to it like he does, and just kind of made birdie still. I was like, well, I still made birdie. That's how he would react, isn't it? He's just got that demeanour about him. But, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was just, a, it, was a, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit strange. Still but, the best ball striker I've ever seen, though. 100%. show. But I think we should round off the, um, the Open Championship chat with just giving massive big ups to um, Cam Smith. Like, as Mark said, the brand of golf that he plays, as James says, the, whole, the putts he holds, and then as Joshua would attest, the, the short game prowess around the greens. Just probably, probably Shane Lowry is the only other person who can Filthy. touch him yeah. on that front. Um, so we'll just give a little quick roundup, really. So this week also for us, we, we posted our first on-course vlog uh, of our links, kind of a bit of a links edition coinciding with the Open Championship that we filmed at Prince's Golf Club, lovely Prince's Golf Club. We now played nine holes of our game, of which we're going to continue to do a series of cat and mouse, where you basically take your handicap and you just, it's a stroke play event, really, and you're, you're trying to, you have to make decisions around that. So if you're a 10 handicap, you start on minus 10, 10 under par, and you've got to nurse that back to zero, basically. And don't get ahead of yourself. For myself or for Josh, we're a, we're, a, we're a plus five, so we start on five over par, and you know we we're under, we're now under the pressure that we should be to get it back. So that's we're going to have that series coming out. We're going to drop a few of those for the rest of this year, probably. But actually, I'm not going to commit to any numbers because we've had some some um, interesting editing chats and uh, and journey with that. But we got there in the end. I think the first one came out really well, uh, James and. Um, Nige and Wayne Boy B unit. Some of the founders putting a lot of time on that, which is really cool. But yeah, it was it was cool filming it with you guys. Uh, how, did, how did you boys think it feel like it went? And what what did it look like when you first got the the, the first edit back? Oh, James, I loved it. James, go on, let James, go on, James, James. He, he put he's put all the all the hours <laughs> into this as he keeps keep letting us know he hasn't slept for uh, for, <laughs> for about ten days now. Yeah, I think I had about fourteen dominoes last week. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was great. Obviously, we've got a, an extremely talented videographer in, in James Sparks who's worked in some of the mini tour stuff and um, I, I definitely think he deserves a shout out. He, he, you know, just with all the footage that he was able to capture on the day, drone footage, various angles, he just he made it a lot easier for us. Um, I think it was very captivating being a player and then being able to transition that into film was was great. I mean, it's, it's very easy with a landscape like Prince's to make a video look good, even with my... Uh, on a good day sort of, as well. Yeah, slightly four out of ten game with YouTube boys striping it. So, um, no, look, I think it's come out I think, great. Mate, I think the, the main improvement that, that would come from you on all this, having you know, played in front of the camera a little bit, is even if you hit a slightly off shot, just just hold your finish for a bit longer. The, <laughs> the drop in the club, whatever, just, I, I feel like that's going to be a revelation as this series goes on. 
tell, yeah, you, tell, me, you... tell me you guys saw the Patrick Cantlay um, clip where he was hitting it out of the rough this week at the Open and he's sort of off balance and then he, he flicks his, his heel up. A little fake foot. Oh yeah. my God, that went viral. I'm pretty sure that went viral. That was epic. Sorry. If you could send that, to, that. If you send that to James, yeah. that would be, that would help with yeah. his, you know, some of his training going send forward. That, send that to me, flip it around the other way. I'll, I'll perfect that one. I mean, I like a flick and a, uh, and a skip anyway. So I'm, all, I'm down for that. That, was, so, that yeah. was so good. If, yeah. if anybody's been watching the series, just one thing to point out. I tend to have a bit of a foot slide, but James is very well known for when he hits a good, a good drive or tee shot, has like a little skip as he picks up the tee, which is um, yeah. much the delight of Josh White. Annoying though, I don't even know that happens now. So it just is just there, I think. Mate, just, um, just keep it in good shots. Keep it in yeah. good shots, yeah. But no, look, it was great. I think there's a lot more to come from us. I think uh, we have, we've battled for hours on end to try and master shot tracer technology now with our editing team. So we've got that coming for the viewers in uh, in weeks to come. So um, yeah, no, it was great. And um, many more to come across this uh, extremely hot summer. We've got 40 degrees down here in the den now. So uh, not baking. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? For me, look, watching back, it, it just made me realise how much fun we actually have on the golf course. Like we're always just joking, bantering, and whatever else, and made you realise that we're actually lucky to be able to actually go out and do this, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, pretty cool. I, I, I feel like I feel like really good. I feel like we're having fun, Josh. Yeah, Josh hasn't crossed that bit yet. <laughs> Still looking at his clubs as if it's their fault. <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit like your chip shot from a good lie on the last that cost you the event, but nothing. Uh, yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> no, did it though? Did it? Didn't uh, it? That, that was a real Cam Smith decision there, wasn't it? It was like, come yeah. on. Uh, nah. What's he done there? He's got the fancy come route. On. He's looking at the four iron or the five wood. It's like, just use the 58, mate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's giving it all the chat. Listen <laughs> to this guy. Handing it out. And, uh, yeah. I can't oh, no. wait for these to carry on. No, and, and then we've got some got more stuff coming out next week. You've got yeah. the silver trophy next week, James. Yeah, had a really good practice session Friday, actually, with uh, Keith Pelly and his son watching on. So uh, I don't know what they were doing at Wentworth. But, um, They're checking you out to make sure you don't go to the live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wore green as well, so have some of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's coming along nicely. We've got some really cool tips videos coming out. I think we've got... Um, our next uh, cat and mouse adventure to Z takes us uh, takes us to another part of South England on the 26th, I think. So, yeah. That's cool. I didn't know about that. I will look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, we've got loads oh, coming. Yeah. It's good. And also, we've got we've got a chat with Mark coming out. Mark um, Mark got to caddy in the group with Tiger Woods at the JP McManus Pro Am, and he he treated us to a little reel. We got plenty of airtime on Sky Sports, which is really cool to. See, so we're going to get some little insights into that. We've got, we may do a mini video pod for that one, but we'll drop that later this week, which will be really cool. But anyway, guys, I've actually got to run because I've got a tea time on the old. Um, oh, so, please, uh, boy. Absolutely love chatting to you boys. And... Um, yeah, look forward to doing it all again soon. Well, for anyone who wants to check it out, remember we're um, we are at Bear Tiger Club on Instagram, Twitter, BearTiger.io on the web, Bear Tiger Club on YouTube, Bear Tiger Club here, Bear Tiger Club there. Um, you can email Zane at Zane at Bear Tiger Club, just Bear Tiger Club basically. That's it. Was pretty cool. Is that's not my email? So yeah. Um, <laughs> cheers, pal. Right. So that was uh, that was a lovely little close there. So yeah, everyone have a really great week and. Um, We'll catch up with everybody very, very soon. I hope you have a great Peace. time at the old course. Have a great time, mate.
Enjoy legends. Enjoy that. Yeah. Laters. I'll be sticking up on Instagram. No problems. Good man. <laughs> Good Cheers, boys. See ya. Bye.